Good evening and welcome to The Jest. Uh, my name is Nagy. I'm here as always with Liam McNeil. Liam, how are you? Look, Nagy, I'm not too bad. I'm not too well, but also not too bad. That's good. How That's about a, yourself? I'm better than you are at the moment. Good, uh, good. <laughs> so so can, most people probably. Yeah, so I can say I'm also not too bad. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> but uh, here at The Jest, we talk everything at Newcastle Knights. Uh, Liam, do you have our sponsors there? I do. Our sponsors for the week are the 15-minute wait at the Adamstown train crossing, the $5 cheeseburger at Burger Express at the store, and the time that Kyle Renwick asked NBN presenter Gavin Morris whether or not he was circumcised. Uh, is he circumcised or is he not? Uh, those are our sponsors for the week, and I would now, as we like to do every week, offer first sips to Fulmini Bianco, the white lightning out dear friend and avid listener of the show, Nathan Ross. Cheers, Ross Dog from Reserve Grade this week. but uh, Boy, that went much better than last week, didn't it, Nagy? <laughs> it sure did. It sure did. Um, yeah, hopefully he'll be back in first grade this week. Uh, but uh, Liam, do you want to take us into the end? Yeah, look, as is tradition, I'd ask that we all uh, please be upstanding for the National Anthem of Australia. Apologies, uh, guys. Our producer, Elliot, has been rehearsing the role of Hermes and Darkus for a stage production of the children's television show Ship to Shore. Uh, he seems to have left his uh, backing track running, but we will hopefully have that fixed for next week. Now, Liam, the uh, the game of the weekend uh, against the Panthers, uh, going down 20 points to 30. After a 14-point uh, lead at halftime, um, what are your thoughts? Look, it was the classic, I think it was a, the Confucian ideal of the yin and the yang. You know, we basically perfectly epitomized. We showed the light in the first half and then in the second half we showed the dark. We, uh, we really, uh, I think the Knights showed uh, how life can be if uh, it's terrible. <laughs> Only if life's not very good Only at all. Only if life's not very good. But also they gave us a glimmer of hope, which made it hurt all the so more. So much more. All the more. So, you know, it was, yeah, it's such a, it was, uh, to, you know, to quote the oft-used rugby league idiom, it was a game of two halves. Wasn't it ever? And, like, it just made no sense to watch that game of how much control the boys seemed to have in that first half. And then um, just relinquish all that control in the second. Um, it went to pots. There was a few key moments there that uh, were brought up with uh, the, the Jalen Feeney supposed forward pass uh, that you know would have led to a try. There was another one where there was a supposed uh, Mitch Barnett strip, which uh, didn't look like a strip. Look, I, th- I think it was a very um, over-police game. Uh, I think the refs early on... Um, pe- were very heavily penalising Penrith, uh, and we got a lot of the rub the green, and then that naturally just reversed itself in the second half um, against our favour. Um, but look, you can't you can't blame it on the refs because uh, at any point during that game, I think with the, 
the thing that annoyed me the most, and a lot of things annoyed me about that game, but the thing that annoyed me the most was that last try that the Knights scored, I think in the 77th or 78th minute, uh, that uh, got it back to 20, within a 10-point margin. But they, it was the best try of the game for the Knights. Uh, the clean backline movement, and they looked like they were going to score for all money. But it just showed that we were always in that game, but for 38 minutes of that second half, we just let Panthers take it. Yeah, look, I think it would be, uh, you know, Brownie obviously in our game against the Raiders had paid attention to the joust. He'd worked on his halftime speeches, but he's just fallen back into old habits. Terrible halftime speeches and, uh, you know, codeine-laced Powerade. Yep. And the boys just went to sleep. They came out for the second half and it just seemed like they were just fast asleep. It was really worrying signs. And I think um, everyone was very excited to hopefully see like a repeat of the week before. Um, showing to get out of the, how easy we sort of held it against Canberra and we were in the match the whole time. But uh, I tell you what, it was just painful. Um, look, I think we're going to do, uh, as we always do each week, hat, our hats on uh, to a player that we think we did badly, but a hats off to a player that we think uh, that we did particularly well. Um, my hats off this week uh, uh, was to Daniel Safidi, mainly for his first half efforts. He's really maturing into a... Um, the last few weeks, ever since he's come back from Fiji, he's really shown the front of the Fiji game. He's really shown that uh, of the front row that he can be, and really like he looked up to be the most dominant forward on the paddock in the first forty minutes. Yeah, isn't he maturing into a hell of a prop forward? He's really starting to take the reins, really starting to lead the team around when it comes to carries, even in defence. He's really taking that team by the scruff of the neck. Is Dan Safidi? Yeah, fifteen runs, uh, four tackle breaks, twenty-five tackles, but also that try uh, close to the line, which is similar to the try that he scored against Canberra. Um, it just seems like he's really like he's a big body, and he demands a whole lot of respect on that field. Um, and he's really sort of finding that uh, that that authority out there and uh, matching it with some big forwards like uh, against James Tamo, Trent Marin, um, players like this that he that he showed that he is of that class, which we hadn't seen from him earlier in the season, which we'd hoped to. Um, but they, my hat's off this week goes to Daniel Safidi. Uh, do you have a hat's off for this week, Liam? I do. Look, my hat's off's got to go to the uh, the Newcastle fans who stuck around right until full time. I think it shows a lot again. I've spoken in the past uh, on Joust episodes about the uh, loyalty of Newcastle fans, and that's never going to come into question. It never has and it never will. You know, a team that's run bottom of the comp two years in a row has uh, come out on a good good footing in the early half of the game and then slowly fallen away. But the, the fans stuck around and Knights fans, we've, we've done a hell of a lot of sticking around. And that's, uh, that's about all we've done. It's, just, just, yeah. just stick around and just be there. But uh, there, like, And there will be more of it, but I think it shows a lot of character that we're happy to stick around and be there for our team. Well, we're there. I don't sure if we're happy. Like, Oh, we're very unhappy. <laughs> we're very unhappy. We're, but we're just sort of more, the unhappy is sort of like, here we go again. But we're there. We're there. We're there. We're still watching. We're um, still watching. And uh, disappointing not to come out with another win. But look, you could say the same thing about the Panthers side. That Panthers side that came out in the second half, um, uh, you know, controlled possession, controlled, uh, built pressure. Um, and Brownie needs to take some lessons from Anthony Griffin about his uh, halftime chats. Oh, well, yeah. Like I think he might have had a chat with Jesse Bromwich. Panthers are... Got are some, this- of, uh, some of his medic medical kit <laughs> Pan- put um, in the Gatorade at halftime Panthers have been doing a bit of an opposite to us of when we've been falling away in the second half that's where they've been firing and that's what they, they did against the Warriors the week before and they did against us uh, but look it was it was upsetting basically it was, it was, if you looked at the, the whole thing it was, wasn't uh wasn't, it wasn't pretty, Nag. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't, wasn't pretty. wasn't pretty for both sides. Even if you were a Penrith supporter, at least you had the relief at the end, but still the game wasn't. For half of the game, you were very upset with the 
with the performance. And not only that, seeing the injuries that they're going to get out of this game, Pete Wallace well, went that was, off with a bad injury. Well, so that's I think the, they lost Pete Wallace in the first half, and uh, and uh, their what's the five eight's name? The the larger man. The larger man. The large Bryce Cartwright. Bryce Cartwright. Yeah. They lost him as well, and I thought, well, if we're going to beat Penrith's side, and we've, they've just lost their starting hooker and their five eight, surely. Yeah, they got stronger. Apparently, yeah, they, they, they really did. Trent Merrin really stood up. Nathan Cleary had a really strong game, and Tyrone Peachy was very dangerous, um, as we spoke about in the lead-up that uh, there were players to watch. Again, we were right. We were right in the sense that, that the Knights wouldn't be very good, which is uh, disappointing to say, but like, yeah. So my uh, my hat's back on uh, this week uh, goes to uh, Dane Gagai, and this isn't because he's leaving and everyone's a little bit upset with him. Um I'm annoyed at Dane Gagai because, from all accounts, he wants to play fullback uh, over his um, his better position at centre. And so he's put his hand up to play fullback. Uh, Brendan Elliott uh, moved out to the wing for Ross Dogg's position. Uh, and I thought Brendan Elliott had a good game. Uh, not outstanding, but a really good game in the wing. He looked comfortable under the high ball. He competed. He knew uh, when he was under pressure when to you know make a play at the ball, not to that sort of thing. And I thought he would have had that same good game at fullback but instead, we got Dane uh, Gagai pl- making uncharacteristic mistakes, like not grounding the ball in the end goal. Uh, there was a few times where he was just caught. There was a, there was a couple of drop balls early on um, in in the tackle count, and that sort of thing. That if he was playing at his uh, uh, at his usual role at centre, we wouldn't have seen from him. And that, that uh, like it was just like we gave the gave the whole thing back to Penrith off those, you know, that one try on the end goal, giving the ball back in the early knock-ons, yeah. Now, Nagy, I'm glad you brought that up because this does some work to lighten the load on Liam's sack. Um, Spiegelman, the Beagle, has Spiegel asked us, Beagle, yeah. you know, playing Gagai at fullback when clearly he's a centre, is that affecting the game of the Newcastle Knights? Absolutely, absolutely. Like what, uh, it's just, it's like a, a step back. If if he was the, the, the one that, when Pythian got injured in round one, if they went, all right, Dan, you got fullback and we, he had, the games leading up to it, fullback, you'd probably see a better fullback out of him. He played against Canberra uh, at, in that position, and I thought he had a decent game. But he, he, there was a few, there wasn't really moments where he was put under a lot of pressure, like he was uh, against Penrith, and uh, he just didn't stand up as a fullback. Under like you, you could not argue that you could argue that there was one of his worst games for Dane. But um, and I, I just think with Elliot already there and uninjured. Why, why, why fix it when it wasn't broken? He's Elliot hasn't been playing bad as a fullback, but he wasn't our first choice fullback anyway. Now, Nagy, much like uh, the tinfoil hat wearers that tend to listen to our program, I've got a conspiracy theory for you. Hit me with it. Given that Gags is going to be gone at the end of the year, yeah, there was a hole to fill at fullback. Do you think it might be, it might behoove Brownie? to play Gagai at fullback as much as he can in order to bring through other centres, get other players used to playing centre to prepare them for next year? No, I don't think so. Like, um, I think that... Um, not, what was his name? Not Travis Waddell. He's already left. Joe Wardle. Joe Wardle. Um, Joe Wardle and Pete Matautia uh, have been playing well in uh, in patches, uh, but I think they're a good centre options. Um, sure that... Um, Wardle isn't the same sort of attacking prowess that Gagai is in the position, doesn't break as many tackles, but I think defensively he's stronger than Gagai. Uh, and from what it really annoys me, I think that, that I hear that Gagai wanted to play fullback and so they've given him to him, but especially because he's leaving. They should be like, well, no, your, your best position is centre. I'm not going to keep a sole position for you for the, someone's leaving when we could give it to Elliot and he 
if we don't uh, well obviously we've got uh, the pong coming next year mm, but like uh, but I think Elliot would, would, would benefit more <laughs> Jesus there's the first sips there's there it the is sip. <laughs> um, I think uh, the I think yeah Elliot will improve um, from his experience at fullback and be just as good as a winger but having Dane go if your best position is centre um, play him at centre and if it's him calling the shots which is this is what I heard that it's him calling the shots saying that he wants to play at fullback for me that's just the tail wagging the dog it, it makes it makes no sense I think to, to have him in a position where he's not as good basically um, so yeah Spiegel I, I, I agree with you um, that, um, that it's just incorrect I just don't think that that we should be mucking around with positional changes in key positions. Yeah, no, I've got to agree with you. Look, there's a big argument to be made for pick the best 13 players and find a spot for them. At the Knights, we're not currently blessed with a uh, plethora of players where we can afford to do that. The right, the best players need to be playing in their best position. You could argue we're not blessed at all. We're more cursed, I think. Cursed, yes, yes. But, um, yeah, play, play, the position, play the players at the best positions. Um. So yeah, that's. So did you give a hats back on? I can't my remember. yeah, my hats back on might be a tough one. Um, a young skipper Sion. Uh, you know, Sion. Uh, Sion Matautia. Matautia, yes. Look, he's been very good of late. Um, but I think this game. But I think this game he was uh maybe guilty of trying his hand a bit too much. Yeah, look, I Whereas think that- in the last few games, you know, he's been running very hard lines. He's been defending very well. I think this game, he maybe tried to overplay his hand a bit. There was a few times where he got penalised, and this is something that's going to he'll improve with, was just um, when he's trying to, not being the biggest back rower uh, out there, when there's, uh, as a middle forward, trying to get over in that first contact to really wrap up the ball. And I'm sure he went out there with the mandate to wrap up players like James Tamo um, uh, to, to really to get over the top of them to stop that offload. Uh, Trent Merrin, another one, but he saw a lot of uh, a lot of attention down his way, and a few of them uh, maybe again over police possibly with that he was uh, attacking too high. But there was some contact with a head. There was one that wasn't even high tackle. He just made post like contact tackle. Like sorry, post contact um, head contact. Oh, yeah, I he patted he him on the head. He patted him on the head. No, no, he he just made contact with the head after the initial um, contact was made in the tackle. Jeez, that was hard work to get out. But you got there in the end, Nagy. <laughs> yeah. You got there, and that's the thing that matters the most. <laughs> we got there in the end. And um, so, yeah, I agree that uh, Sione didn't have his best game. But uh, yeah, look, that as a as a hats back on that hurt to give because Sione's been, um, you know, the captaincy role is it suited him. He's grown into it. He's really giving his all. You honestly watching this bloke mature as a second rower. You know, knowing that he played on the wing for Australia at age eighteen, you wouldn't recognize it. It's just yeah. he's kind of starting to mould himself into an insanely effective back rower. And the last couple of weeks, he's been very good, yeah. improving slowly but surely. And, you know, it's it's ridiculous to believe he's still only 20. He'll, uh, you know, I think he's got a really good future he's ahead of him. Yeah. And, you know, to give him a hats back on this week... It hurts me in my soul now. Oh, yeah, it hurts look, it my had, heart. It had to happen. I think, like, I think it had, had to happen. He showed glimpses of, of of playing really well, but at the same time, um, there was just when we're talking about a, a, a game that in the end was ten points. Uh, each try um, really cost us, and um, yeah, it, it, look, it was laughable at a at a point there that um, that uh, how much 
yeah, just ball Penrith got. And I think we only completed five from 13 sets in the second half. Yeah, and just you look at that, five from 13 sets in the second half. We only had 42% possession across the game. It's the Knights falling into old habits. There was 13 errors made. It seems like it's the Knights of the first few rounds we're seeing again. You know, we'd started, it seems like we'd started to shore up our uh, possession counts and finally won a possession count. Against Canberra, <laughs> Beat the Raiders. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, it just seems like we've slipped back again. And uh, it's it's like, you know, we, we took a couple of steps forward, but now we've taken even more steps back. Where the hell do we go from here? Well, that's right. Um, we've got a really tough uh, road trip after this buy, after um, the Origin buy. We've got uh, Manly, then the Storm, or, or Storm, then Manly, one of the two. Um, but Either way, we're fucked. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, yeah, I don't think we're, we're looking good against either of those sides at the moment. Um, we well, have, we'll give them a red hot go, won't we? Well, I hope so. Um, please, and, yeah. please not. <laughs> If you're uh, listening, please give them a red hot go. <laughs> um, yeah, just because like we have played previously well against the Storm on occasions, but still we can't um, we can't hope for that. We can't hope for injuries during Origin. We can't. We, we have to go out there and play the best we can, and then hopefully we get the result. We do have a bit of a secret weapon. I will be travelling down to these away games, and now I don't know if I told you just as this, but pre Canberra, uh, young Jack Whiten came into my own workplace for a coffee. Yep. And I uh, had a bit of a joke with him, had a bit of a giggle, and I said, oh, Jack, mate, take it easy on the nights. We need this, mate. Yeah. And uh, lo and behold, we went out and we beat the Raiders, and he had a shocker. He did. So basically, my plan through this uh, six-week road game period is just to go to the various cities that we'll be playing in, apply for jobs, serve coffee to the players of the opposing teams, tell them to please take it easy on us. Apparently, it works. Well, uh, well It worked well, a treat against Canberra. 100%. Yeah, they actually, I had some Penrith players in my work, and I should have. I saw Matty Moylan there. Not a big guy. Not a big guy. Not much to him. Jack um, White, on the other hand, is enormous. Yeah. He's got the face of a seven-year-old, <laughs> but he's built like a brick toilet brick, house. Brick, brick toilet, toilet man. House. Toilet uh, man. <laughs> yeah, look, uh, like that's excellent that you're doing that, Liam, uh, yeah. on behalf of the jest. I didn't even know that uh, you were leaving Newcastle. So that's, uh, <laughs> We will need some funding we for will, that, so yeah. we'll be putting up a Kickstarter for <laughs> Liam's great jest extravaganza around Australia. It's, it's great. Liam's great plead to uh, opposing players just to, just to go easy. I've already spoken to Matt Gidley. He'll be paying half. Well, Matt Gidley uh, could like. I don't know. Do you think um, if this he hasn't got any better ideas <laughs> of how to beat everyone else? <laughs> Do you think like he he's uh, surely with if West uh, come through and make the purchase? Um, which, you know, every day it seems like oh, they're, they're going to do that. Now they're not. Yes, they are. But um, if they if they do come through and make that purchase, you think Matt, uh, Matt Gidley might also be looking for a job. You might be working with him at these cafes serving coffee. Uh-huh. Look, I think it's not too out of the realms of possibility to say that because Wes obviously very successful... You know, club built on bureaucratic efficiency, built on, you know, successful business running and whatever. It's not built on, it doesn't, well, to me, an outsider, it doesn't seem like it's built on a getting jobs for the boys type situation. So it seems to me that if Wes were to come in, take over, they would say, no, look, we're a business. The Knights is a business. We need to run it like a business. Sorry, Matt, you had a hell of an offload. You're not yeah. a senior. <laughs> just flick past him out, you reckon? They'll just be I like... think they might do that. <laughs> Unfortunately, there'll be no Tamana on the wing waiting to catch him and bring him softly down to earth. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, but again, that's an outsider's perspective, and I don't know. He might actually be a business genius. Well, yeah, look, I, I, I don't know. He does a, does a role that's not always effective in football. He runs the administration side of the club, blah, 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 blah. But I think uh, if, if, if I was a new buyer, I think whatever the new buyer we have, 
because he's just like a sort of this relic of the Tinkler era and the club has seen no success and since they're going to do a restructuring he'll go which is unfortunate for an ex-knight but you know at the same time people want to see changes and want to see success look uh, and want to see him at the pub <laughs> um, flick us a schooner would you from the other side of the bar because he's, that's where he's worked now um, <laughs> <laughs> oi kiddo flick us a schooner would you kids um, give us a new out the back <laughs> That's the first half of the Jess. We'll be uh, back for the second half of the Jess, where instead of covering Liam's male sack, we'll be covering uh, Blue Balls. Blue Balls, the Origin edition. Uh, the whole second half is going to be dedicated to the Origin questions, and we're also going to have our good friend uh, Daniel Flegg uh, will be joining us as well to discuss uh, the Origin teams. Uh, so we'll be right back. Thank you. We'll be job. running up the flagpole. <laughs> What's it is called a flagpole, isn't it? You run yeah, up the flagpole. Welcome back to the Joust uh, for the second half. Uh, we're joined by a very good friend from KOFM as well as Coming Attractions, Dan Flegg. Welcome to the Joust. Thank you for having me. No, Dan, look, honestly, we are in your house. Thank you for having us. Well, it's good to be back then also. <laughs> <laughs> now, for segment two, what we're doing this week, uh, obviously... You know, we're very proud of the Liam's Male Sack segment, but we're renaming it slightly this week. It's uh, the Blue Balls segment, dealing with origin. Now, first question that comes to Liam's Blue Balls, hopefully uh, will offer me a bit of relief. Josh Spiegelman, the Beagle, he asks, who were your lucky plays to make the side and who, conversely, was unlucky to miss out? Dan. This will be a contentious one, but I'm going to put it out there. Newcastle's very own departing son, Dane Gagai. That is now, contentious, Dan, far now, away. Well, and I have reason to be behind. Yes, he's been playing great footy, but he's also been picked in many ways based on the fact that uh, there's Queensland loyalty. And I find it strange that inversely, a character like Billy is omitted from the Queensland side as well. Uh, so, you know, how far does the loyalty go is what I would say. So, yeah, that's why I'm a bit iffy. No, don't get me wrong. Gags has been playing great footy in a side that hasn't been playing particularly great footy, so I can understand why he's the diamond in the rough there. But still, you've got you raise a great point there, Dan, mm. because when um, Malcolm Meninga went ahead and picked oh, yes. Darius as fullback, mm. Kevin Walters came out and said, "Look, if Billy Slater's fit, he's my fullback for the Queensland State of Origin team." Now Billy Slater is fit, mm. and he doesn't appear to be the fullback for the Queensland State of Origin team. Where does this Queensland loyalty end? And you know, to me, it's been kind of a self-serving myth over the years yep. where they say, oh, we're this beautiful, you know, loyal squad. But it's easy to be loyal when you've got, you know, four or five immortals working your spine. Is it easier to be loyal for them, given the dominance that they've had, where they don't have to pass it off as loyalty? They can just say, well, yeah, we're loyal. They're the best players that have ever played in their position. Mm. It's very easy for them to be loyal. Now, do you think, is Kevy all of a sudden faced with a selection quandary that no origin coach for Queensland has had in the last 10 years? Do you think the cracks are starting to show? Well, Liam, it's bringing him to tears. I'm, that's, I'm, that, I'm feeling this a lot. That's where We saw some... Um, we saw a bit of the salt water kicking off at the presser when he had to make the announcement and when he was talking about bringing in uh, JT at 18th as well. So, you know, it's certainly pushing his buttons at the moment, but you know what? There's always a bit of this hoo-ha around this time of year with Queensland. Absolutely. The, the mm. Queensland mind games. Yes, they're back. Love the hoo-ha. Yeah. 
Because I actually heard on an inside word uh, that uh, that JT uh, his shoulder injury is nowhere near as bad as it uh, that it was reported, and to the point at which it was it wasn't actually scanned at all. Uh, that it was just a, a like a physioed out injury that they they're going to hope to manage, and it's going to be much more on the other end of like this end of the spectrum as far as uh, how many weeks he's going to be out. And I think naming him in that side pretty much means he's going to play. Now yeah. look, I've got to pull on the tinfoil hat again. <laughs> You'll note through the week. Uh, that Wayne Bennett came out and said, look, if Anthony Milford is named 18th man, injury backup for the Queensland Maroons, he's not going into camp. He shan't be going to camp. He's playing with the Broncos. Would it potentially be outside the realm of possibility that Kevy has switched up JT and Milford so that he has Milford in camp, training at six, and d- yet at d- kickoff time when mm. JT's healthy... He can slot JT in while still having Milford there as a potential backup. Yeah, Whereas yeah. if he named Thurston, had Milford at 18th man, he would not have had Milford throughout the week. Thoughts? They're going to give him every chance to to play. And he's he's played in this same team so often now uh, through all representative games, whether it be Australia or Queensland, that he doesn't need a great deal of time with Cameron Smith mm. and with Cooper Cronk. He can just slot right in with, on a day's notice, I reckon. But Yeah, I think the issues that have plagued the blue side over the years with especially with what's happened with all the different halves combinations and things like that they're not issues that Queensland have at all and maybe there's some method in the madness anyway if you've got someone like Milford coming in they're going to have to start blooding people anyway he's a great player in his own right and maybe just getting him into the camp is a way for Kevin to kind of go look mate this is is where you'll be you're just not quite there yet because we've still got someone like JT you know, on the roster. So, but who have you guys got as uh, being lucky to make this New South Wales squad? Uh, for me, it was Tyrone Peachy. Oh, sorry, lucky, lucky, lucky. Make... Yes, <laughs> sorry, lucky. well, it was very lucky considering he wasn't named at all. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, uh, lucky to make it uh, for me was David Clemmer. Uh, I don't think his club the Clem Chowder. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think his club form has been anywhere near as good as uh, it should be. Like, I think it's almost it's he's not playing as well as he has in previous times when he's been selected. And I think uh, especially his defence. They came against the Cowboys. Uh, he got shown up on the line by Michael Morgan very easily, just wrong-footed, held in and away, straight at the line, at his feet, mm. didn't lay a hand at him. And I just thought to myself, this is origin right now. This, that's a, that's exactly what's going to happen. Nagy, I've got to offer you a counterpoint, and you know I've watched this uh, footage thousands and thousands of times, but I'd ask you to go back and watch the footage of him telling Corey Parker to go and get fucked. <laughs> that is an origin player. That is what it takes to play origin. David Clammer. Disregard his form at the club level. He's going to pull on that blue jersey and grow a million feet in height. Well, I mean, that's happened with a number of players, though, across both sides. I yeah. mean, Jared Haynes played pretty well over the last couple of rounds, but he's been, by and large, out due to injury. So, yeah, there is a question. Why isn't Clem polishing the dome up at the moment and getting ready to show it off up at Suncorp? Yeah, I like, I think... Um, I think... <laughs> I think uh, yeah, David Clemmer is definitely lucky lucky to be in that side for me. Uh, as, play, as far as players that are unlucky to uh, not make the side, as I said before, uh, Tyrone Peachy, I think uh, that bench spot that Jack Bird's filling, mm. uh, as I'm, look, I've, I've said it before, uh, that I'm not a fan in origin uh, to have a back on the bench. Now, maybe now it's different with the HIAs uh, that that you need uh, that, that flexibility to, to bring it back on and to fill a few positions. But really, Jack Bird, everyone talks about, like, oh, you can put him on as a lock or you can put him in. The, he's, a, he's a strong player, which he is, but he's not a middle forward. He's a center that, that has played a little bit of fullback, and that doesn't give you a whole lot of uh, room to shift around. 
uh, if everything goes well. There's no HIAs. Look, at least it's not the Walker debacle. Well, it's going to be the Walker debacle again, I think, if it's 69 or the minutes. Or Bureau debacle. And yeah, but if you mm. if you if everything goes well, which it very well could, and then you, we still need to win the game, and you haven't used him, it's a waste. And if you put him on with six minutes to go, it's a waste. If he's not in that set thing, of, we're going to bring you on after 35 minutes for this player. Like, what's the point of having him? Unfortunately, like unlike Tyrone Peachy, which could play in the back row, which he has played at club level, uh, hooker, which he has played at club level, as well as centre. I think that gives you a little bit more flexibility. Yeah, the engine room plays such a big part in these games. And as any player that's been involved with Origin would say as well, it's that idea on steroids yeah. when it comes to the three-game series. So I, I agree with you. I think that's... Yeah, you just want some big boppers. And you know what? They're the kind of guys that can... You know, take a slap to the side of the head if it comes out these days as well. Yeah, well, no, the slap's outlawed now. The slap, you get ten. Oh, can't do the slap now. I need the, the slap. Biff's gone. Can we throw, yeah. throwing drink bottles? Is that still on the menu or <laughs> maybe throwing insults? That might be allowed. At the Only moment. G-rated insults. Well, that's true. Insults, yeah, you're please. a terrible cook. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Your lawn's got, often unmowed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Got to agree with you on Tyrone. He's Ty- been killing it. I like. All you got to do is watch the Panthers games from the last few weeks. God knows why they keep him on the bench because the second he comes into the game, he changes it. We saw it against the Warriors, especially against the Warriors. The second Tyro and Peachy cross the white stripe to get on the the ground, that's when the Panthers mm. turned the game around. Well, he did against the Knights. Like we, they lost their starting hooker, and then they just shifted into hooker, and he he played the rest of the game there and like did a pretty decent job at it. I so, think for me, the unluckiest player to miss out is uh, Paul Vaughan. Noted Italian representative. Oh, He's yeah. been the form front row of the competition. The Italian. Look, Man. Yes, the, <laughs> that's the, what they call him. That's what they call him. <laughs> the Italian <laughs> male. Complete with paws as well. <laughs> Look, I think he's been leading the stats in every category you could ever imagine. He couldn't do more. He couldn't he's been scoring tries, he's been setting up tries, he's got great. Well that's the thing. He the could line. do less, but he could not ever do more to make that side. And I think, you know, Laurie's got to kind of maybe look at his uh selection policies because you know you know, you're have this talk about picking on form, but every year there seems to be one player who's in the most ridiculously good form you could ever imagine who never gets picked. The Alan and Tongue story. The old <laughs> Alan Tongue story, yes. Yeah, the just, tongue twister, if you will. Mm. It doesn't matter. Jared Coker's in the same same boat. He, no matter how well he plays, he can be the top port scorer, which he was last year, uh, of his club, and not even get a look in. Yeah, but see, but Jared Croker's defence was still always in question. Paul Vaughan... At the moment, there's not one thing about his game you'd call into question. Everything he does as a front rower, his meter eating, his defense, he's scoring tries. Mm. He's doing everything that a great yeah, front rower could breaks. do. Like Croker, two or three years ago, you could argue there were still some question marks over his defense. Paul Vaughan, you'd argue, he's, he's become quite a complete front rower. There's nothing about his game that you wouldn't want from an origin prop. I had him on my list too. And it does it it does have me asking the question as to, you know, is this misplaced loyalty stuff happening again? You know, like how does it work at the moment? I know when we've got when we've recapped the the Blues halves combination again. Now that we've got Maloney and we've got Pierce back together, it's it, is it just the idea that you don't want to take too many chances with guys who are untested inside of. Origin yeah. is that it? Is that the only reason? Because well, what what other reason can there be? Well, that's a self sort of fulfilling prophecy in the way that you're not going to be selected for Origin because you got no experience, mm. and you're never going to get the experience because you're never selected. Like, it's like it's, hospitality, trying to find a job. Yeah, that's a, well, it's ridiculous. Well, it's like a lot of industries as well. With that, yeah, <laughs> hospitality probably doesn't have too many barriers to entry, really. But like, if um, don't have murdered someone. <laughs> yeah. 
That's about it. That's really That's about a bit it. Of just, yeah, viciously murdered. Just uh, hide the knife. Yeah. <laughs> Wish they were available in hospitality. Which leads into our next question, guys. Now, I've got a very good question from Aiden Kelleher here. Mm. Aiden asks, Jared Hayne, he's done it before. Can he do it again? This ties in with our question of players who are maybe lucky to make the side. Mm. Jared Hayne, he's done it before. Can he do it again? Well, Laurie's given him permission to roam. Have you seen this? Oh, no. Yes, yes. That was from from Jared's mouth today. Uh, I've been hearing him say, whilst they've got him in the centres there, he said he's allowed to, if he sees an opportunity, he's going to take it. Now, that gives me, it buoys me with confidence because if they're going to bring in a guy guy in like Hayne, I think it's pretty relevant that he has some creative space to work with and he's not just going to be kind of, place in this vanilla position as a player but then there's also the question of how how big's the pasture as well yeah, yeah. yeah i'm a bit worried that he might well, be in a goat paddock you know <laughs> next door rather than you know if things are going well i can see He's him still actually, at a gay bar in san fran <laughs> <laughs> i can see him um if, he, if the game's going really well for new south wales him tearing it up but if we're looking for answers and we're throwing jared hayne the ball someone that's you know, not out of position because he has played the position in rep football before, and he's like he has shown time and time again that he that he can perform at Origin level, uh, 2014 especially, like just can really step it up mm. and um, win us a series. But um, I think this this game one is a sort of a show up or get out sort of a. I can't see him making it if he has a is if he has a fizz. You move Dylan Walker into that center position. Yeah. And you don't see Jaron Hayden again. He's not the answer. He's going to be immensely helpful. As part of an ensemble cast, Would you that's say how they're to look at it. He's not an answer, but he adds depth to the question. Yeah, he's, he's it's not at an least answer, a two-parter now for yeah, sure. He's not yeah. an answer, but he raises so many more questions. Mm. Now, look, I think look, you, all you have to do is look at Jared Haynes' form in the 2014 Origin series. Yeah. He was admittedly one of the dominant players in the comp at the time, but nowhere near as dominant as his Origin form would suggest. That Origin series from him. Was another level. Especially game one as well. Especially game one. Like, you have to go back to him playing 2009 where he single-handedly led the ELC Grand Final to see form on an individual level from a player like that. So, I think you put that blue jersey on Jared Hayne, he does it. It doesn't matter where you put him. If you put him on the wing, he's one man of the match from wing, from the wing in Mm. origin. That's not something that happens. He did that. I think if you put Jared Hayne in a blue jersey, he does it. He gets it done. He does the Queensland on New South Wales. He does like, the like... Queensland in New South bloody way. <laughs> yeah. And it's beautiful. Yeah. Absolutely beautiful. I think this is his last chance though. I think this is um this is yeah. This is like same with Brett Morris as well. If he's either going to cut it and and show that he can play in this position still, but I think age is catching up with both these players. Yeah. Also Jared Hayne uh, has expressed that if he doesn't make it in rugby league this year, his new dream is to play golf. Golf. He'll be going on to the <laughs> oh, really? PGA Tour. He wants to be the Fijian Tiger Woods. <laughs> Um, Hopefully with less scandal. <laughs> no, there'll be more scandal. <laughs> more scandal. But uh, uh, another question here I've got from a uh, good Irish reader, Seamus Kelly. Now, we, we all know Seamus Kelly pretty well. Uh, he generally asks some pretty good questions here. Now, I've got one from... Uh, it's directed specifically to Liam and Nagy, but we're going to bring Dan Flegg Boy, in. Boy, we may as well. Oh, <laughs> no, I'll listen. I'll listen. Now... Seamus truly believes this is the team to win, and we have a superior team on paper. That being said, this is obviously Daly's last throw of the dice in terms of coaching origin. He won't survive another series loss. Who is front runner to succeed him? Have you boys thought about this? And if it does come to pass that we lose, God forbid, 
I don't think I'll make it the year out if that happens. Um, who replaces Daly? Well, Brownie's used to losing. Maybe uh, you throw him in there. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. To lick the boot. Yeah. <laughs> Nagy, you are cold-blooded. Oh. Oh. But, um, and, uh, and honestly, there, there probably isn't a wealth of uh, people at the moment. Like, you could throw Ricky back in there, um, but he's been there before. I only had to leave because he took up the Australian job. So uh, then there's always, always the Gus shadow looming over everyone. Ooh. What, who do you think, Dan? He, pull, he pulls a weird shape for me, um, <laughs> yeah. if I was going to say that. Well, he um, is a strange shape. Yeah. <laughs> I think we should... I don't like the idea of taking too many pages from Queensland's books, but let's have a good think about what they've got in place at the moment. So well, they can't spell. You can't read the pages. No, it's just drawings <laughs> of cats. and Yeah, it's, it's outrageous. I don't know. Yeah, it's the, the, weir- scribbling- it's the weirdest HSC exam you've ever seen. It's the uh. scribblings of an infant. <laughs> Look, this is what I would, I would suggest. You look at what they have done both with Queensland and I guess in part now with the Kangaroos where you've got uh, you've got Mal now um, with the national side, but you've also had uh, you've also had uh, you know a, a succession of other guys around him yeah. who have now slotted into different positions. So they kind of got an ensemble coasting, um, coaching cast, which maybe the Blues should take on. So rather than it just being one person. Like obviously you've got Kevin now at Queensland, but you've also had Hagen kind of looming around that area as well. And yeah. That's maybe something that they should try and implement with New South Wales. So whether or not you've got someone like a Rara guy who does have some good tactical knowledge, but maybe doesn't, he brings the the feeling of maybe New we, South Wales. So like Blocker, like he, I think he he could slot in somewhere. Yeah. But maybe you get someone that's a bit more tactically minded. Maybe like a Posca Posca Coglu. Like we could get we could cross codes. Like and get a. Like, well, there <laughs> were, well yeah, he'll be looking for work soon. <laughs> <laughs> well, now there were rumours while uh, Malcolm was still coaching Queensland that uh, Mick Hagen was actually the one pulling the strings. Mal was there more as a manager, a facilitator. Mm. Should that be a role maybe New South Wales look into? Getting someone tactically minded to run the team while also having a big figurehead. I think it makes the most sense. Like, like it- Maybe Raymond Price, maybe Petro Sterling, some of these great players. Might not be great coaches, but you get them in as a figurehead yeah, some with the, a very some astute people are, tactician underneath them. The fe- having yeah. the fear of them, you know what I mean? Like yeah, the like, like their fear of God into the But fuckers. yeah, like the, otherwise, I think a standalone coach is, is uh, important. And I think, um, but like there's there's talented people out there. I think uh, like Jeff Tuvey wouldn't be out of sorts um, looking after the blue side. Uh, but uh, there isn't anyone screaming out for the job. Mm. Um, which is, uh, and uh, and daily, yeah, this does look like the last roll of the dice for him. <sighs> yeah. Look, yeah. we say last roll of the dice, but you've got to take it all in context. You look back at this Queensland Origin team of the last 10 years, there has never, ever in the history of rugby league been a side put together like that. To, it, it's to crack just, them once, you reckon, was like... To crack them once was pretty darn impressive. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're staring down the barrel of three... I'd say three guaranteed immortals and one potential immortal. To get that in one side when the previous 90 years of rugby league only got seven, or sorry, eight, considering our very own eighth father, son, Holy Spirit, Mm -hmm. Andrew Johns, you know, to to face up against a team that for 10 years consistently had four potential immortals in it is ridiculous. That's true, but it seems... To me, that the argument that seems to be made about the winning culture with Queensland is the culture, and you need to bring. How do you instill that, and, yeah. and what is that as well? Because as you have both mentioned as well, and in previous episodes too, these guys are elite athletes that have a short amount of time in which to work together, and 
uh, you know, so and they know that they're going to excel at some point. So it has to be something else. It can't just it's they're not going to become necessarily better football players in the time in which they're inside of the camp. That's already there. Those skills are already there. It has to be something. There's an X factor there that Queensland have consistently brought. And yes, they've got half the kangaroo side. Yeah, and have for you know the last you know decade. But then or you so. got to argue that New South Wales have the other half of the kangaroo side. But you know, no, mm. like it's yeah, you know, like they've chopped and changed. Mm. But Queensland's just been the constant. But yeah, yeah. like uh, like the, I guess my biggest point out of it is. Not to make excuses for New South Wales underachievement in the last few years of origin, yeah. but this Queensland side that we've seen over the last decade has never been approached in terms of skill, probably will never be approached in terms of skill, and I'm goddamn sick of them bitching and moaning about how origin's unfair because they've got four goddamn immortals in their team, mm. and their whole state can go fuck off as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> and that's all I have to say about origin. But like, last thing on origin, I think uh, we are running short of time, but let's get through this because it's on uh, everyone's lips. Uh, Mitchell Pearce, do you think uh, that he that he should be there? One, do you think he's had enough chances, mm. or do you think he can do it? Do you think this is? Do you, do you give him one game if we lose? Do you give him the other the other two? Or? <sighs> I think knowing the way in which. Daily operates. He'll be there for the whole series if he doesn't get injured, and, and for most of the next decade. That. Yeah, yeah, he. He um, could very well be our most capped New South Wales player going at this rate. Like as he's far not, as he's I not know, he's actually already our most capped New South Wales halfback. Half. Yeah, he's, he's played past legends like Andrew Johns, did, Peter Sterling, Sterling yeah. Brett Kenny, yeah. and has lost more games than anyone. Yeah, but like, however, he, this year he's the only one that we can pick because there's matured. no one else to put the hand up. He's mature. Like we keep hearing this. Yes, he's. But I've heard yeah. that. He's, yeah, I've he's heard found. That. Football Jesus uh, yeah. and uh, <laughs> battled those personal demons last year. Look, if um, Queensland, let's face it, <laughs> Queensland is a team of dogs, and if they run out the seventeen dogs, Pierce is going to root them all. <laughs> yeah. so. Well, that's that's the dream. Yeah. So the dream. yeah, look, I think if there was someone else that was putting their hand up, like if Blake Austin was playing better, you could you could throw it to him. But uh, at the moment, they're like the only other person that's in form is Luke Keary, and Luke Keary and James Maloney is the same player in my mind. So, um, we, yeah, we we run short of options because of that. We have to pick him, and like he doesn't have to set the world on fire. He just has to give good delivery and not. But make I'd any love mistakes. if he did set the world on fire. Maybe set the set the ground on fire if we lose. Um, we haven't discussed Pete's. Pete's is wonderful. He's delightful. I Nathaniel. think he's going to have a yeah Nathaniel. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to have a great Origin debut. But that's, we'll leave it at that for yeah. Origin now. Yeah, like I have the most hope for him as well. Um, so that's our uh, Origin uh, Blue Balls wrap-up. But also we have a very special blast from the past, uh, Origin Edition. Liam, uh, who's our blast from the past this week? Blast from the past for this week is uh, New South Wales Origin legend, Steve Edge. Now, Steve, uh, he didn't play many Origins for New South Wales before making the shock decision to uh, retire from professional rugby league and take up a career in music. Oh, right. It's, uh, yeah, no, you wouldn't. Mm. <laughs> honestly, you wouldn't believe it if uh, if I told you. He only um, played one game for New South Wales. It wasn't too many, but... Uh, one of the greats. Yeah, uh, yeah, one of the greats, but he, he one actually of the great games. Um, went yeah. on and uh, <laughs> he changed his name by deed poll to uh, his first name to The. And uh, he actually went on to have some success in a small Irish band. I'm not sure what they were called. The Waterboys, I think it was. Wasn't it the Waterboys? No, it, was, no, <laughs> it, was it wasn't something... The, it was, was an it Irish band. You singer wears sunglasses. You too, didn't he play? Yeah, you don't mm. get it either. No, I, don't know. I, can't I couldn't remember. think of it. I couldn't think of it. <laughs> yeah, no, but Steve the Edge, uh, you know, played one game for New South Wales and then faded into oblivion with some strange Irish rock band. Yeah. Oh well, that's uh, Stevie Stevie Edge. Uh, it's one of our blasts in the past. <laughs> It's uh, it's always good to keep up with these players uh, where they end up, uh, and they can end up in some remarkable places. Remarkable we found, uh, places. The uh, you know, I somewhat argue 
Irish Rocks Hall of Fame. <laughs> he's ended up in. Some would argue impossible places that they're going to yes, end up yes, in. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Ill- illogical places might also come up. But thank you, Liam. I know you uh, spent a lot of time looking into the past here and uh, finding out all these greats. Uh, Daniel Flegg, thank you so much for joining us for this, Jess. Oh, um, it's been an absolute pleasure. <laughs> we'll it's good to wet the whistle with you guys <laughs> as we'll, it were we'll definitely get you back uh, very soon enough uh, Liam uh, it, yeah look it's been alright but otherwise uh, thank you everyone for listening uh, <laughs> make sure uh, that you uh, come along to uh, uh, our big uh, origin takeover of Central Bar extravaganza it's uh, yeah, and uh, you also be seeing a bit of a preview uh, snippet from that uh, coming up uh, in, in tonight's preview video so. and Night's Legends Oh, of legends. course, we've got uh, two Knights Legends. Can we name them yet? Well, they shall remain nameless. Mm. They are two 97 Grand Final heroes. Uh, and but, not, not but one, I, but two. But we I have will two, say, yeah. We, we, we wanted one and we got two. I will say, as the crow flies, you might want to check the, your glands, Ville. I, I thought you going to say, the, as the crow flies, the Granville, Granville, Glanville falls. Yeah, like, good point. Anvil? Um, yeah, it's, that was an Anvil um, reference. Steam, it's Stephen Crow and Mark Glanville. <laughs> it's it's alright, guys. I think you've kept them guessing. Yeah. Yeah. I think you've kept them guessing. <laughs> could be anyone. Could be, could be anyone. Anyway, thanks for joining us. Uh, like us on Facebook as well as uh, uh, listen to us on SoundCloud as well as iTunes. Uh, it's another Jest Out. Thank you very much.